and welcome to The Northern Connection, a podcast inspired by our love of books and reading. In each episode, we chat to authors about their books and their own Northern Connections, whether it's through geography, family or their love of books and authors with a connection to the North. My name's Emma and in this episode, Rebecca and I are joined by the fabulous Millie Johnson. Millie Johnson is a top 10 female fiction author in the UK, with millions of copies of her books being sold across the world. In 2020, she was honoured with the Romantic Novelists Association Outstanding Achievement Award, and this year sees the publication of her 20th novel, Together Again. We're absolutely delighted that Millie was able to join us on this episode. Millie, welcome to the Northern Connection. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. I'm delighted to be here. Can you tell us about your latest book, Together Again? Okay. It is about three women who are all born seven years apart, all sisters. Um, And they never really bonded because of that as they were growing up. And they were brought up in a house which, to the outside, people might think they had everything as a family. They had a a, a brilliant father. They had a, a glamorous mother. They had a huge house. Um, but they were all brought up without love, and that's had a real impact on them as they've grown up. Now, the, the mother had a particular dislike for her younger youngest daughter, um, who ran off when she was 16 and hasn't been seen for 15 years. And the story starts after the death of their mother. It's a nice, cheerful little book. It start, It takes place between a death and a funeral, <laughs> and um, and there are uh, and the the youngest daughter turns up for this. They, she didn't even turn up for the for when her father was really poorly, and she adored her father. Um, and only to find that the mother, who has, as I said, had a particular dislike for her youngest daughter, has left everything to her. So it's it's the story of these three sisters who are strangers, really. They're they're together again, but they're as the the title would um, you know would lead you to believe, but they're actually together again for the first time because they've never really been together in the first place. Um, and it's it's about them kind of unpacking their past and and learning about each other and sharing. The, the things that went on in, in the house because they were really three only children, mm. not proper sisters. And, and and during the book, they start to learn to trust each other um, and, and operate for the first time as sisters. So it's quite an intense book. Mm. Um, and um, the reviews are coming in saying, oh, you know, this is a deep book for her, which is lovely, you know. I might even be seen as literary. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> That's fabulous. Thank you. Uh, Millie, you're a, a proud Northern writer. How do you think that your Northern identity has helped you or possibly it's hindered you as you started out as a writer? Well, it, it's certainly in the beginning, um, uh, you know, I, I wanted, I was very jealous of Southerners in the beginning because it seemed to be that the whole business seemed to be London centric. Mm. And, and I didn't think that I would make it as an author. I didn't think anybody would be interested in writers from the North, even though you've got your Catherine Cookson's, mm. you've got your Stan Barstow's, you've got your Barry Hines. They are kind of in a different league, you know, and it would never be um, 
you know, something I would do to think, well, they've done it, so I can do it. Because I, I would never have thought of myself anywhere near them. They were exceptions, I would have thought, to the rule. Um, when I started off, I mean, I got kind of on the right path because uh, a, a story that, you know, any anybody who ever has listened to me speak will, will know that, you know, I got sacked um, for having a northern accent um, by by a Yorkshire woman in a Yorkshire firm, uh, which was ironic. But, you know, that gave me the favour um, of, of a real favour because I thought, you know, if I ever do get round to finishing the book that I've started that was set in no man's land because I, I couldn't write authentically about the South, uh, didn't think the North would be popular, so it was set like you know in the air somewhere. I thought I'm going to ground it in Yorkshire, just out of sheer bloody mindedness, and that really shifted me onto the track. Um, when when I did eventually um, start writing the book, I, I was very comfortable in in my northern skin, writing about the Northerners. It, it was so much easier for me to write about the people and and the environment that I knew. Consequently, I think that that informed my writing, made it more, um, well, made it more appealing. And so when I, I did get my um, agent and, and she found some interest in a publisher and they they took it on, I was absolutely gobsmacked. There, there was nobody writing about Yorkshire then. Mm -hmm. um, but now, like anything else, you know, it's the um, the accents etc have have become um the go-to accents people like uh, ralph ibison and uh, sean dooley um they are the ones that you will hear mostly on on the tv you know they're going hell for leather with the northerners now uh, and there seems to be loads of, of northerners certainly lots of books set in yorkshire which i'm hoping um will make us in one day very shortly the new dorset where we travel all over the world it's certainly becoming more popular um and um and so i i think i had to break the glass i think yeah. had i waited for other people to lead me on first I might, I might never have, you know, broken through. But it, I had one choice: I had to write about the North that I knew, or just not get published. And so I took a chance, and and it worked, yeah. which was great. Yeah. You've touched on this next question a little bit there, but yeah. obviously the North is an important setting in your stories. Yes. What is it about the North that inspires you? It's what I know simple as that it's what i know it's my world and and even though there you know um there is less i think of a north south divide over the years you know there was definitely a, a north south divide you would never have got the sort of bars and establishments in in our town that you would have got when you went down south now we've got these bars in in our own little northern towns so there's a blurring of the lines but 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 then there wasn't and so um i i just wanted to write about the world that i knew yeah yeah and it's and and i love it you know i love where i i love where i come from yeah i love the people i love the environment and it was very very different to um you know i, I love the books that I used to read when I first started off 20, 30 years ago, you know, the ones that were, and I say chick lit with, with my fingers wiggling in the air, mm. um, the books about young 20-somethings working in London, sharing flats, doing jobs in PR, loved them, but I couldn't relate to yeah. them because that, that was not the life I was living. Yeah. 
and I wanted to write books that other women like me could relate to. Yeah, it's so important. I know as a reader, I like I always like to I, I like to read books set where I'm living or, you know, sometimes when yeah. I go on holiday, yeah. <laughs> I then want to mm, yeah. recreate that holiday by by reading books which have yeah. been set in different places. So, yeah, that's uh-huh. that's fab. Um, so your first book was published in in 2004 and now 18 years later, you're publishing your 20th book. So you obviously write quickly. Um, roughly how long does it take you to write a book? I like to stick to one book a year yeah. um, because I write in a lot of layers. I do a lot of editing. They are very deep. They are virtual minds. You know, I, I, with every edit, I concentrate on different things. It's just how I work. Mm. I will do one for continuity, one for, um, I'll brush up the dialogue, one where I'll, I'll brush up the, um, the language. I'll, I'll kind of polish it. Um, so there are three books that I've written, I think in, uh, I've done three Christmas books, so I've doubled up, but it's, it's really intensive. Um, uh, really a, a big call on my time to do that. I've always thought that books were like a pregnancy for the reason that on average one will take me from start to finish about nine months. Yeah. And I'm certainly ready for a big gin at the end yeah. of that. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I, you know, if, if I, if I have no other distractions, I can do one in six months. My first draft is very, very quick. It's what comes after that takes all the time up. Um, but you know, I, I, you always have side projects and the more, um, you know, the, the further you get in your career, the more side projects you have, you know, lots of talking. Um, when you've got a paperback and a hardback coming out in the same year, that's almost like releasing two books because you've yeah. got two book tours, etc. Um, and I like to do other projects, uh, you know, at the side. I do a lot of kind of performing poetry. I've got columns in newspapers and magazines and things. So I have a lot of little side projects, but one book a year will allow, uh, committed to one book a year. Um, and everything else will fit around that book, hopefully. It doesn't work out like that sometimes. It works, but don't tell my publisher that. You know. <laughs> um, where do you get your inspiration from for your stories? Uh, well, that, that can come from various seeds. The first, the first book is usually the most autobiographical that you will do. That was true until I wrote The 19th, which was A Woman in the Middle, which is about really um, my kind of the template of my life, being the mother of grown up kids and the daughter of um, daughtery parents, you know, who, and you become the parent of your parent, which is a real upset in world order and a a total head screw. Um, But the other things, you know, the other books have been um, triggered by always a small idea, for instance, the, the queen of wishful thinking, my, my other half is an antique stealer. And when he started talking about all the people he works with, they've all got nicknames. I thought, oh, God, you know, suddenly that's that's a gift to me that, you yeah. know, writing about this world of antique stealers. Um, the, the Perfectly Imperfect Woman came from a story um, that I'd read in the Yorkshire Post about a whole village called West Hesleton that came up for sale for 20 million quid, which sounds stranger the truth in that case is stranger than the fiction of it. But I thought, God, that is 
that is a gift, you know, an old woman who owns a whole village and the, the villagers pay peppercorn rent. What would happen if she died? You know? mm. um, and so that's where that one came from. Um, White Wedding, story about three women. Um, I've, I've had this one in my, my head for a while. I When I got married, I shouldn't have done it. I had alarm bells screaming at me, don't do this, but you rationalise them. And one day I thought, I'm, I'm going to just vent this on the page. And, and it's about three women who are all getting married, but not primarily for love. You know, one of them is is has revenge in her mind. The other one is too frightened to say, I don't want to marry you. Um, and, and the other one um, is getting married because she's fallen in love with the idea of having the big wedding rather than mm. being married to the groom. Yeah. Um, a, a, some of them are character-led, like the magnificent Mrs. Mayhew, who came from a, a conversation I had with my editor because I said, I, I don't know what to write for my book. And we were talking away, blah, blah. And she suddenly just said to me, have you ever wondered what happens? What's going on behind Melania Trump's eyes? And I and I had this, it was like the, the seed landed in my brain about this woman who at the time said, you know, I, I am the most bullied woman on the planet. I felt really sorry for her, dragged into the limelight and, very impassive face but you know is she just do we think she's cold do we do we um automatically presume that she is but you know maybe she's a loving person maybe she's got a load of things going on in her head and, and it was it was this study of, i mean it's not about melania but it was this this story about this woman who was much maligned really and and imagine that every time you go on the tv the press are pawing over you you know it would be a, an awful life and and um, and so that's where that one came from so they're all different you know some of them are, are from my own experiences some are from experiences of other people that i've read um some are character led some are, are are triggered off by a house or a place all different it comes from nowhere and and all i'm glad is that just every so often the seed comes along and it starts growing into my head and i think that's my story but it's always one little tiny thing you know yeah. it's, it's always one little seed that grows like <laughs> a seed. Oh, goodness. yeah, yeah. Um, which which authors um inspire you which writers do you really admire I oh there's millions of them you know I mean for all different reasons I was always inspired by Catherine Cookson I I loved her story I loved her backstory because it gave me hope that you know even though I was in my mid 30s at the time and panicking that I might never get a book deal because I was heading into old fart you know and then I and then I realized that Catherine Cooks when I read her was like 40, I think 44, when she got her first book published um, and had no formal training in writing, actually started writing as a bit of therapy, wrote about the North, of course, which came, you know, which came, you know, worldwide, you know, a, a success story for her. And I loved her story. She made me, she made me cry. And people like um, Martina Cole, I'd, I'd read her books. I remember coming home on, um, on a, on a bus, just sitting at the back, bawling my eyeballs out about this. I think it was called Two Women, the story. And I and, it, and it's at moments like that, you, you have this crystallised kind of clarity where you think, God, these are words on a page and they're making me sob my guts mm -hmm. out. 
also, um, you know, people like Emma Kennedy, one of my favourite books, The Tent, The Bucket and Me. I've, I've had to put that book down sometimes. I can't see for laughing. <laughs> and and I, I've always, I, I wanted to write books that moved me yeah. in that way. And, and also Agatha Christie book. Agatha Christie, I, was, I mm. started, because when I started, there were no young adult books. It was like, you're straight from Janet and John yeah. into Lace and Jackie Collins. Yeah. And of course, Jackie Collins was a real eye opener. And it was like, oh my God, this, you know, this, this happens. But, you know, there was a fantastic plot in every Jackie Collins book that I mm. read. Um, and Agatha Christie's, the, the one thing about Agatha Christie books that used to fascinate me was I've, I've read them all so many times, so many times. I could tell you who did it, but I can't remember how. Um, and, and the fact that I could read this book and enjoy it the second time and see mm. things the second time I hadn't seen before. And that was a sign of a, of a really good book for me. The ones that you don't give away to the charity shop, the one that you put on the shelf because you are going to read that book again. And no, you're mm. not going to lend it out, not even to your best mate, because if they don't <laughs> bring it back, you're going to fall out with them. You know, they are precious to you. So all sorts of books for different reasons. I mean, you know, Bar Barry Hines and, as I say, um, at Stan, Stan Barstow, um, they, they wrote about, you know, my area. They wrote about the North. They wrote about, Barry certainly wrote about Barnsley. And it was like, my God, he's writing about Barnsley. And, you know, he's, this book has gone all over the world. People in Japan know who Kez is. And, <laughs> you know, um, and obviously I, I have to mention the Brontes yeah. because, because mm. of my love for the Brontes, I ended up just throwing everything in, in my home in Barnsley and moving over to Haworth, mm. hoping to be smitten by a Bronte news. And, you know, I probably was because over there I experienced village life, which is very different from town life. And I, and I did I did eventually become a novelist. So, you know, the, the girls had a hand in it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, we mentioned earlier that your current, the new book, Together Again, is your 20th one. How do you plan to celebrate book 20? Well, they're having a big party for me. They're having a lovely party for me next week. They wanted a big splashy party, um, but I, I didn't even even as much of an ego as I do have. It felt a bit me, 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 even by my standards, you know. And I've been at those parties where people are standing there with a glass of wine, thinking, you know, how can we get out of this? When's the earliest time we can go? So I've kind of said I would rather have a small party, a small event with all my loved people who have been with me right from the beginning at a dinner so that, one, they're all screwed to their chairs, they won't be running off early. And two, you know, you're there for something. It is a celebration, but for us all, I can talk to them properly and we can break bread. <laughs> They've planned lots of events for me, so I'm going here, there and everywhere. Certainly, I've got a lot of energy for this book. It's an important thing to go out and, and speak to people and... Um, and so we're, we're doing all that. So we are having the next month will be a, a kind of big party for me. But, you know, we, we have got that big splashy champagne event, which is which is next week. And I still haven't got a frock. So I'm <laughs> but it will be with people I love. Obviously, I can't invite everybody, um, but the, the, certainly the people who have been with me from the beginning and Colleen, who does my audio, Sally, who has been my long-suffering copy editor, my editor, my agent, um, my my PR people, you know, all the all the people I, I really like and love and who have grown my career over over the years. I, I want mm. them to celebrate with me. I don't 
I don't want to be Queen Bee and them all stand around. I want us all to have a Sally. You know, they've all had a hand in it. Yeah. Certainly yeah. Sally, you know, has half written my book sometimes. <laughs> we, you know, go with her and she'll, she's fantastic. She is a, an essential. Um, and, and I want to celebrate with them. Yeah. So that's what we, yeah, are, doing. That sounds, we are doing. Sounds it does. Fabulous. It sounds wonderful. Um, so you're probably having a month off, are you, to celebrate? Are you working? No. <laughs> There's no chance. I've got um, as soon as that party's over, and then my my um, uh, my deadline is right after all my um, my book event. Yeah. So I I have um, no idea how I'm going to do that. Yeah. But they brought it forward because obviously the, the earlier that you've got a book, you know, in the bag, the more you can do it uh, with it. So I want to get my first draft done in between all the exciting bits. Mm. You do learn to um, to compartmentalize so you can you, I can do this. I mean, not now because it's, it, you know, it's late. But if this were like nine o'clock in the morning, I wouldn't be going swanning off somewhere with a, a glass of champagne. As, as soon as I we press stop, leave, I would be straight onto my manuscript yeah. um yeah. and then you know it'll be kind of round about christmas time then and I've, I've got little side projects i wanted to get around to so and then of course after christmas then the paperback will be out in a i think it's early march so we're gearing up for that one so there really is no rest for the wiki no <laughs> you know none none whatsoever um and your next novel what's that one going to be about it's it's about um, it's about a woman who is uh, she she's a, a business advisor. She was you know she she came into this firm and was and was um, kind of mentored by the guy who was quite a, a crusty owner of the um, uh, the the company. But he mentored her and she had a real natural acumen for helping businesses out, small businesses and rescuing businesses, etc. And then he he dies and the, the firm is taken over by quite a misogynistic bunch of people who kind of take her ideas and run with them and nick them, but actually kind of denigrate her uh, into a sort of like glorified PA. And she, and she's she's very she hasn't spoken up and she could run this company, you know, um, mm -hmm. single handed. But she doesn't shout out she doesn't shout up for herself um and but and she's she's also complicated by the fact that she's run to the end of her relationship and she's going to leave her partner but her sister-in-law has decided that she's going to renew her vows so my girl polly has delayed the um the leaving of her partner until this is gone on but when she turns up at the wedding of her sister-in-law it's actually to find that it is her own wedding that it's been um, engineered by a partner behind her back and she's there at her wedding two days before she's going to leave him oh, and God. it's what does she do in that situation mm. does she her, her her natural kind of um a, a, character would think i can't do anything i'm just going to have to go through with it but what does she do yeah. and then there's the, the aftermath of that which is quite horrendous yeah. 
Um, and uh, so that's I don't plan. So I, I, I kind of know where I'm going yeah. with it. And I'm, I'm just at the point now where I'm I'm writing it, where she's it's the lead up to the wedding. And she just can't wait to get rid of this family that and she's going to be linked to them forever if she doesn't act. <laughs> So, um, so it's. I thought with the one that I've written together again, which, as I say, is very, very probably my darkest book, very mm. deep, and I, I, I wanted um, to cleanse my palate because that, in effect, was like a, cl a cleanser of the palate to the one I did before, which is about a very loving family and very loving mother-child relationships. Then I've got the antithesis of that, and now I want to write something very jolly, very jolly. Yeah. Still a bit, you know, there's always going to be, I, li I like the dark. I don't write kind of, you know, gently rolling hills books. I, I write, you know, we're going in the Grand Canyon and then I'm now going to take you um, up and out. Um, I, I like those sorts of books. I like to write those because life is like, yeah. you know, it's often yeah. very, very, um, you're lucky if you if you have the rolling hills lives. I, I, I don't, none of my pals do, we've all had our really big ups and downs and I like writing these massive ups and downs but I also wanted to write something really cheerful really hopeful with a really nice kind of Italian restaurant owner <laughs> um, because you, you have to find a you have to find people that you fall in love with in your books and I've I've fallen in love with them all of them I think all of them oh. sounds great I'm a literary yeah. slapper, really, aren't I? Just and then as, as soon as as soon as I've closed the book and ended the last chapter, I move on to the next man. So yeah. that's wonderful. <laughs> Can you tell us what your proudest achievement as a writer is? Oh, do you know this? This is one of the ones that fuck. You know, and you, I had a look at the questions earlier, and I thought I'm I'm gonna think on the hoof with that one because there are so many, and and not all of them. Um, the the ones that make you smile aren't necessarily the really big ones. Mm. Um, I mean, I, I got the one. The the biggest one for me was the getting the uh the outstanding achievement award at the Romantic Novelist Association, and I was at a very low ebb. I just lost my dad in the December, and in the January they said, "Would you accept this award?" Um, and I, I did accept it and and I had this magnificent night that I was ready for because I think by the time my dad died he just about accepted that I had got a proper job <laughs> I think I managed to sort of you know and that was I was kind of relieved when he went that I was he, he died thinking I was going to be okay yeah. but yeah. then but then you know you've got these little moments where uh, they're special and I was at um, an event with uh, a quite a, a few events with Lucy Diamond and she said during COVID she thought what job what actually is my job here there are people who are you know going into hospitals and nursing people and they're uh, dropping off food to people she says I'm sat on my bum writing a book and I thought God what haven't I got a really useless job you know and and I I echoed that you know, but when COVID ended, the amount I could honestly, I couldn't go into town without people stopping me. And how they recognised me, probably the hair. I had I had a right bright red streak in my hair then, the mask on, and they were going, Hey, are you Melly Johnson? Yes, you've got me <laughs> through COVID, you. You've got me through COVID. And honestly, the amount of people that stopped me um, and said the same thing, but you've got me through COVID mm -hmm. and wrote, and it, it just 
these there were so many of them and you you realize actually that maybe your job isn't as useless as you think that these people were lonely and I, I did Facebook lives during COVID thinking we'll just have a chat yeah. never imagine the amount of impact and people saying I'm by myself in a house I haven't seen people for three months I feel like I'm having a cup of tea in your front room oh. mm. you don't but we don't plan this mm. at all you know as, as writers you write to entertain you never realize that people are reading your books and seeing templates of of relationships in them dysfunctional relationships and actually changing their lives thinking i don't want to end up like that woman in that book i'm, I'm going to end. and they they write to you and tell you that your book has made them leave their partners and things you know it's strong stuff yeah. and yeah. and it's it's a selection i'm sorry if you wanted one specific thing no, but it's no. these little tiny bits of, of that, that validate that your career that come from left field because you, yeah. as I say, you don't plan for them. You you write a story hoping to entertain people, mm. and you you end up changing their lives or keeping them sane. And as I say, those little comments, all those little, you got me through COVID, you, you know. <laughs> and I, sometimes they stop you, and it can be quite aggressive. They go, "Are you really doing?" And I think, "I'm going to clout me or something for something I've written in the. I'm a columnist, you know, in the newspaper. They might not agree, like something I put in." You got me through COVID, you know you. <laughs> and it's it's just a, somebody stopped. I I went to pick up my mum's um, hearing aid today in the hospital, and a woman did the same. She stopped me and went, you know, I've got all your books. I love you. I love you. She said, oh. and it's bonkers because you just you look behind you thinking, Do, are you really meaning me? You know, it's an imposter thing. But to <laughs> to have touched people's lives like that is incredibly special. Yeah. You know? Yeah, it touches me every time. It's lovely. Yeah. Oh, um, Millie, can you recommend yeah. a book with the Northern connection? Yeah. So whether it's an author or yeah, I I absolutely can. There's a story behind this one, isn't there? Always. <laughs> um, when we when we were at school, um, I was very lucky in the fact that our teachers made us uh read the set text which i loved without exception i can't think of one book and they concentrated a lot we did a lot of, of uh barry hines books not kes uh kestrel for a knave we we did um one uh called the blinder which was about a young boy uh who was um taken on as a footballer earning more than his dad any book at that age when i was going through puberty that could get me interested in football that I wasn't particularly interested in anyway was a was a, a, a blinder yeah. if I can use the phone but the one I'm going to pick out is a book called A Kind of Loving by Stan Barstow there he actually wrote a trilogy of, of books about this character Vic Brown who who very much typified I think a lot of young men in the um, 60s 70s who uh, who was working, met a girl in the office. It wasn't, you know, not a massive plot. It was, he, he met a girl in the office. She she wouldn't give out, as it were. Um, he tried to seduce her. She ended up getting pregnant and, and he offered to marry her, hoping she'd say no, and she didn't. And they move in with her mother, which was a story that must have touched so many lives, you know, because that's exactly, you know, what happened to so many people who ended up getting trapped in these marriages and feeling frustrated. And, and this book just blew me away. I thought, crikey, you know, I couldn't obviously at that age really identify with it, but I could certainly 
see. I, I, I almost felt claustrophobic for him. Such was the power of the writing. Now, flick, flick forward a few years. I lived in Haworth. And uh, and I used to go. Um, it was such such a place in a village that I wouldn't do it in a town. But I'd finish work and go for a, a drink, you know, with friends in the village. And I got talking to this guy who lived around the corner. Very nice guy with you know. And I, I knew he was. Um, I knew he was retired, etc. Knew him as Stan. I must have known this bloke for about two or three years before someone told me, and they knew that I wanted to write books. I never said to this guy, why would you? And it was Stan Barstow. Oh. And I, I, uh, I, Stan, Stan and I lived in Haworth together at the same time. And my, my partner then said, go and tell him, you know, that you're writing a book. And I, I, I never did. I never did. I never told him because I, I enjoyed Stan's company. I enjoyed hearing Stan's life. And, and I'd ask him about his books because I, at that point, then I could say to him, you know, you, you were like, the books that we studied at school stan was at my wedding all my pals were there when this is stan he was like he was loving it because he was like on an altar you know we were all bowing down and i never did and then i kind of moved away and moved back to barnsley and when i got my first book published stan had moved to wales by this time i moved to barnsley and i wrote to stan and said look i've got to tell you this do you remember me blah blah I've got my book published. I never dared tell you at the time. And he wrote this lovely letter back and said, you know what? I really respect you for saying that. I would have never, you could have spoken to me about it. We could have chatted, but I totally understand why you didn't do it. And for that reason, the, uh, the all the Stan Barstow books that I've, I've ever loved um, became even more special. But Stan Barstow, I kind of love it. It was a massive film in the 60s, I think. And, and I've, it's, I've always loved that book and I love it even more now because I, I knew this man, I knew this man, this quiet, lovely man be, who was this powerhouse of, of, you know, literary genius. And uh, and I've got a great picture of him, me just arsehole draped over him at my wedding <laughs> and him just loving it, you know. <laughs> he was such a wonderful man, a wonderful writer. And, um, you know, I, I never, I never... I never kind of crossed the line with him. I wanted to keep that friendship very precious. Oh, that's wonderful. Thank you. That's a fabulous recommendation. Millie, thank you so much for joining us. And oh, thank you for having have me. Have an absolute blast at your party and wishing you lots oh, and lots of success with Together Again. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Take care. Thank you. Bye-bye. <laughs> Thank you for listening and we really hope you enjoyed this episode as much as we love making it. You can check out our social media accounts on Twitter at NorthernConPod and on Instagram at The Northern Connection. And we will be running a super giveaway to celebrate the publication of Together Again. Bye for now.